Thank you for downloading this sermon. We hope you've been blessed by this ministry. If you'd like to give back, please invest in the future of Clearnote Church through our capital campaign, Faithful Through All Generations. To make a donation, visit clearnotebloomington.com give. Well, this morning we have the privilege of remembering Christ's triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And we're going to have our scripture this morning from Matthew chapter 21, using Matthew's account and looking at the Old Testament passages that Matthew uses as he shares or as he writes this account of Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. And then looking at how uh, these prophecies were necessarily applied at that time and then how they are also applied to us today. And so read with me either in your Bibles or on the screen that's behind, behind me, Matthew 21, verses 1 through 16. When they had approached Jerusalem and had come to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, Then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied there and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did just as Jesus had instructed them, and brought the donkey and the colt, and laid their coats on them, and he sat on the coats. Most of the crowd spread their coats in the road, and others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them in the road. The crowds going ahead of him and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! When he had entered Jerusalem, all the city was stirred, saying, Who is this? And the crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all those who were buying and selling in the temple, and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who were selling doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a robber's den. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he had done, and the children who were shouting in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they became indignant. And he said to them, Do you hear what these children are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes, have you, have you never... I'm sorry, I think I misread that. And... And they said to him, Do you hear what these children are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes, have you never read out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies you have prepared praise for yourself? This is the word of the Lord. Yes, thanks be to God. 
When he entered Jerusalem, all the city was stirred, saying, Who is this? Who is this? Well, there was a lot of buildup to Jesus going into Jerusalem. And if you read the gospel accounts of Jesus entering the city, they all show different parts of the picture. One of the things that Matthew doesn't show is he doesn't show, show anything about what all the excitement about was about uh, where the crowd came from. Because immediately, where did the people come from who were putting their coats on the ground and who were taking branches off the trees and were waving them? Where did all these people come from? Well, Matthew doesn't really tell us, doesn't give us the backstory, so I want to go for a minute into John's gospel to get a little bit of the backstory of what had happened and what had brought them to this procession and all this energy that was happening around it. Just not too long prior to this time, Jesus had taken his disciples and had stood at the grave of his friend Lazarus. And Jesus had said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus was raised from the dead and he came out. They moved the stone. He came out still wrapped up. All of these people watching and going, whoa. He's alive. And it was pretty exciting. And then what happened? Well, they went and did a few more things. They went a few more places, but there was a lot of, a lot of uh, excitement surrounding the fact that, that Lazarus had been raised from the dead. And some of the people who were there went to the Pharisees and told them the things that Jesus had done. John tells us. And he says, therefore, the chief priests and the Pharisees convened a council and were saying, and half the time these guys talk to each other about Jesus, I kind of laugh. Because it just seems, I don't know, it's awful because it's like you feel their pain knowing their sin. Right? I don't know how else to describe it. You feel their pain, but it's also very laughable because they're just at a complete loss. What do we do with somebody who raised somebody from the dead? They hate him. As, we'll, as we saw in the reading, they hated the fact that the people loved him, and they hated the fact that he raised people from the dead and did miracles. And so when they get together, they meet in a, speak, a secret council, and they say to each other, what are we doing? What are we doing? For this man is performing many signs. They're just at a loss. They just don't, they're just completely thrown. They don't know what to do. But they did know one thing, they hated him. And it was at this point that Caiaphas made the prophecy, Caiaphas the high priest made the prophecy that it was expedient for someone to die for the people. He didn't know it. He was thinking, yeah, we'll kill him so that that will satisfy the Romans that we're not having an up, up a rebellion and an uproar. He didn't realize, though, that as he said it, that it was expedient for one man to die, that he was actually prophesying about the work of Jesus on behalf of his people, and that Jesus would actually save them. It was expedient for Jesus to die. Otherwise, neither, none of those people at that time would have been saved, and you and I would not be able to be saved either. It was expedient that Jesus die. 
However, he didn't know that, and they were all angry. So it says in verse 53 of John 11, from that day on, they planned to kill him. That was their plan. They were going to kill him. Now the Passover of the Jews was near, so many went up to Jerusalem out of the country before the Passover to purify themselves. I'm still reading from John. And therefore, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom he had raised from the dead. And as he was there in those days, a large crowd gathered around Jesus, and they came, not for Jesus' sake only, but because They wanted to see Lazarus. They wanted to see the guy that he had raised from the dead. And again, it says in John's account, the chief priest planned to put Lazarus to to death also. Jesus and Lazarus. They expanded the plan. They hated Jesus because the Jews were believing in him and they were following him. And so on that very next day, A large crowd who had come to the feast heard Jesus was coming, and they went, got the palm branches, and lined the street. Excuse me. And they heard that Jesus was the one who had called Lazarus from the dead. And many more went out to meet him. So this is the backdrop. This is the backstory to Matthew's account. All of these people wanting to see the man who had done this incredible miracle. And others had seen him do many other miracles. So this brings us now to Bethphage and the beginning of our text. And if you want to understand uh, geography, uh, if Jerusalem... So I'm going to... Your right is east, your left is west, right? So so Jerusalem is here, right? Bethany is about here, two miles away. Bethpage is about here, a mile and a half away. The Mount of Olives in between Bethpage and Jerusalem, okay? About a mile and a half from Jerusalem. And the topography isn't like here. It wouldn't be like walking down the the, uh, clear, or the whatever this trail is called, the Clear Note Trail. Uh, It wouldn't be like walking down that trail. Uh, You went up a little out of Bethpage to the the mountain, maybe not to the top, maybe around the top. Then you came down into the Valley of Kidron toward Jerusalem, and it's a 450 foot down. And then you've got to go about 400 feet back up to get into Jerusalem, okay? So it's it's a pretty good trek a mile and a quarter, a mile and a half. You can see these people making that trek in maybe 40 minutes. Maybe it took them a little longer as they were going along and shouting and waving the palm branches as Jesus came. So this is what happened at the beginning. Jesus was going to Jerusalem for the observance of the Passover. It was a seven-day feast And many people, as it said, went up early to be there. So the first Old Testament passage prophecy in our text this morning is uh, in verse 5. Let's read before and after a little of that. 
When he had approached Jerusalem and had come to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied there and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophets. Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you gentle and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of the beast of burden. And the disciples went and did just as Jesus had instructed them and brought the donkey and the colt and laid their coats on them, and he sat on the coats. Jesus sends his disciples to retrieve this colt, and they're granted the animal as they go. The Old Testament reference that is referred to here is from Zechariah 9, 9 and 10. And it reads, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout in triumph, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and endowed with salvation, humble and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem, and the bow of war will be cut off, and he will speak peace to the nations, and his dominion will be from sea to sea, and from the river to the ends of the earth. The prophet speaks hope to the people of the promised king, and he spoke this 500 years before Jesus arrived. And I don't know about you, but I have trouble with timelines in the Bible because they get to be so long, some of them. And I have to have something to compare this to, 500 years. So that's a little over twice as long as the United States has been constituted. Does that help you? So if you take our, the history of our nation after its constitution and double it, that's how long there wasn't nearly that long that there wasn't word from the Lord. And this is what, this is one of the, the, the last prophecies that came to the Jews. And they were waiting, and they were waiting. And it says that he will come humble. Why humility? Well, he wasn't announcing an earthly kingdom, but a heavenly one. And verse 10 of Zechariah's prophecy really references this. He says, I will cut off the chariot and the horse. There won't be horses or chariots or bows. There won't be any war implements as he comes. He's going to come humble and speak peace to the nations. He's coming endowed with salvation. And so this is the one who comes. And so Jesus comes riding on this foal And he doesn't come to the people bringing an army. They come before him, receiving him, lauding him, praising him, thanking him, honoring him, but there's no army. He's not coming to raise an army. In fact, the chief priest, when he prophesies, thinks that, We'll get him killed so that the Romans don't, think, don't go and think that he's going to raise an army. We don't want to get messed with by the Romans. We like our position the way it is. We like this the way it is. 
We don't want him rocking the boat. But it wasn't his intention. And so he comes riding. And the people spread their coats on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And they go ahead of him and follow, and they shout, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And this is our Old Testament, the second Old Testament reference in our passage from Psalm 118, 25 and 26. O Lord, do save, we beseech you. O Lord, we beseech you, do send prosperity. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you from the house of the Lord. So, did you hear the Hosanna in Psalm 118? It was there. What does Hosanna mean? This is really important. What does Hosanna mean? Save us, O God. Please save us. Save us. Please save us. And so our children walk in and they wave the palm branch and we, we sing along and it's right, it's good, it's wonderful. It's right to say. But what we're saying is, save us, save us, save us. We need you desperately. Save us. And so the people cried out to him. And it was a fulfillment of the prophecy. Save, save, save. And the crowds in Jerusalem said, who is this? And the response from the people who knew him was, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. Now, it seems so disjointed or out of sequence now because you have this wonderful entrance and all the people saying, save us. And he gets in there and the people say, who is this? And everybody's saying, this is Jesus, the prophet from Galilee. And then what's the next thing that happens? Let's have ice cream, right? No, the next thing that happens is he cleans out the temple. He goes in and he drives out all who are buying and selling in the temple and overturns the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who are selling doves. And he says to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer. And this is a reference to the third Old Testament passage that our passage references. Isaiah 56, 6 and 7. Also the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him and to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants, everyone who keeps from profaning the Sabbath and holds fast my covenant, even those I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be acceptable on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all the peoples. 
God had intended his temple to be a place where all peoples could come to him. It was designed that way, but they had turned it into a commercial venture. And at least part of the, of the real estate of the temple was so complicated and, and messed up and filled with uh, commercialism that people couldn't get there, get into it, to actually pray. And so they were, they were just kept out. And Jesus came in and he just said, no, this isn't going to happen. And so he drives them out of the temple. It's interesting that John's account actually says that there were some Greeks among those who were going up to worship at the feast. And these then came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and began to ask him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Now, these Greeks, they're Gentiles. These are the nations, God-fearing. They said, we wish to see Jesus. So Philip came and told Andrew, and Andrew and Philip came and told Jesus. And Jesus doesn't say, okay, let's make an appointment, and I'll sit down and talk to him. It's very interesting what he says. In the context of everything that's happening in the temple, driving out the money changers, in the context of his entry into Jerusalem, on the eve of the week of his passion, Jesus says this. He says, he says, um, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. It's almost like them coming and, and saying this about the Greeks was a trigger. It never says he actually met with the Greeks. But it's almost as if it's a trigger, like he knew that everything was coming together and it all just had landed together right at that moment. And he's just telling them, letting them in on the secret, well, the hour has come. Let me issue the trigger. Here it is, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And he says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. All, that's his answer to the Gentiles want to come and have an audience with you. His answer is, it's time for me to die. And it makes perfect sense to me, I don't know about you, because what he's seeing is I've got all the crowd here. I've got the representatives of everybody here. They're all here now. These are the people I'm dying for. And it's a beautiful thing for us to see in the scripture that Jesus says, okay, now it's time. I've got to fall in the ground and die, and then I will bear much fruit. And these Gentiles will be the fruit. And these Jews who said Hosanna will be the fruit. And nations will be the fruit. Generations will be the fruit. My kingdom will come. Just after he says, my house shall be called a house of prayer, he goes on to reference the fourth Old Testament prophecy in this chapter, which is very short. But you are making it a robber's den. A robber's den. Now this, this may be something you hadn't known or hadn't realized, but this was not the first time Jesus had cleared out the temple. John tells the account in the beginning of Jesus' ministry of him going and clearing out the temple. I have to wonder if it wasn't a regular thing, because you know if that stuff is happening in the temple and if there's money to be made, and if Jesus isn't around and there's nobody around who's going to clear him out, 
they're just going to keep coming back and coming back and coming back. But it seemed to be Jesus' practice to clear them out. And John gives us the first account of that when Jesus comes at the beginning of his ministry, but he reproves them at that time for making his house a house of business or merchandise. That's the words that he used that John uh, writes for us. That time it was business or merchandise. This time it's robbers. And John Calvin writes about this, and he says, at the second time that he drove the traders out of the temple, the evangelist relates that he used sharper and more severe language, for he said, that they had made the temple a den of robbers or thieves. Jeremiah 7, 11 says, Has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of robbers in your sight? Behold, I, even I have seen it, declares the Lord. The fifth Old Testament passage prophecy referenced in this chapter. And the blind and lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he had done, and the children who were shouting in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they became indignant and said to him, Do you hear what these children are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes. Have you never read? Now that's funny. You're talking to the scribes and the Pharisees, right? If anyone prided themselves in having read, and he says, have you never read? Out of the mouth of infants and nursing babies, you have prepared praise for yourself. This is a reference to Psalm 8, verses 1 and 2. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth, who have displayed your splendor above the heavens, from the mouth of infants and nursing babes, you have established strength because of your adversaries to make the enemy and revengeful cease. He had done the work of clearing out the temple, and as a result, who came into the temple? Sick people. He turned it from a a business to a hospital. And who else was there? Children. And the children started singing his praises. And the chief priests and the scribes were offended. The ones, Matthew Henry said, that should have been most forward to give him honor were his worst enemies. They were vexed at the wonderful things he did, and they openly quarreled at the children's hosannas. Who is this? Who is this? The Gospel of John starts, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Who is this? This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. Who is this? This is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Who is this? And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. You know, I think sometimes we should sing Christmas songs at Easter. And we should sing Easter songs at Christmas. Because it would in some way discipline both. And there just are beautiful themes in Christmas songs that only make sense when you're looking at his passion and his death. Who is this? Do you know who he is? Do you know this Jesus? He is the one who came of necessity to die for your sins and mine. He is the one who can save you. He is the one who can save us. He is endowed with salvation, is what the prophet says. It was time for him to accomplish that work as he stood there in Jerusalem. He knew that the week coming ahead of him was the week in which he would accomplish all of that work. Who is this? This is the Christ, the Son of the living God. What is it that we should not do? Well, we shouldn't silence the children. And, I, and you'd say, well, I didn't silence any children this morning. They all came in here, uh, nobody hushed them. We were trying to get them to be louder. But you know, there are a lot of ways to silence the children that have nothing to do with shushing children who are saying Hosanna. There are ways in which we silence the work of God in the hearts of other people by squelching and quenching and there are ways that we turn our head and we look away and we don't rejoice in. You know, it's, it's, it's Jesus when he's talking to the, the Pharisees and, and uh, he's saying, look, um, uh, tax, collect, tax collectors and prostitutes came and repented at the preaching of John and you weren't happy about it. That was the religious leaders. And so this is how, they, they weren't telling, they weren't trying to silence tax collectors and prostitutes, they just were grumpy about it. They were grumpy about people coming to faith and being set free. They weren't the kind of people that they wanted to be set free. It made too much of a mess for those people to be set free. We have to have someone that we can compare to ourselves and feel superior over. Right? We can't be like that. That's silencing the children. And we may not silence the children. In fact, what we must do, rather than silencing them, 
is we must cry out with them. Cry out with them. I was thrilled as I stood in the back and watched the response as everyone was singing and everyone was standing. And listen, if you can figure out how you translate that into leading your children to cry out to God to save them, save us, O God, save us, O God, save us, O God, that's our work. That is our work with our children. It's our work with one another. It's our work with our neighbors. It's our work with our friends and our family members and our co-workers and our roommates and our classmates. Our work is to get people to cry out and to encourage them to cry out to Jesus Christ saying, save us. You're the one who's endowed with salvation. Save us. Hosanna. Save us. And that's how we should enter this week. Because this is the week where we're going to spend a lot of time thinking about Christ's passion and his work. And this is what we should do. We should enter this week and go through this week crying out to God, save us. When you pray for your children, do you say to God, save my children, please save my children. Do you cry out to God and say, save my friends? Do you cry out to God and say, save me, me, save me? Let's do that. Here's an idea. God wants to. He's willing. When will we be humble and shout, save us, O Lord? Let's go through this week and let's be calling out to God to save us, to be calling out to God. And let's teach our children and let's encourage one another as we say Hosanna, let's encourage one another that he will save us. Pray with me, please.